0: Let's get ready for some Wheel Nerds. This is The Pace, episode 130. This is Wheel Nerds, episode 65. I'm James. And I'm Todd. And we're going to be talking about electric
1: sidecars, because that's our favorite thing here on Pace Nerds. Exactly. Or Nerd Pace, I guess. I think that covers all the ground, Mm, electric mm, sidecars. James and I are sitting here, slaving away at making a show where our worthless co-hosts are in Vegas. Damn them.
0: Hookers and blow. Hookers and blow, indeed. <laughs> That's, that sounds like much more fun than electric sidecars. Yeah. I don't know, actually. I think I might <laughs> like to try an electric sidecar. I wonder yeah, what kind could, of range you'd get. To the point, yeah, sure. Yeah. It, that depends. If the sidecar were entirely full of batteries to the point where it mm. were useless for anything else.
1: That's true. They would be very effective ballast, come to yeah. think of it. They'd yeah, probably handled quite well.
0: Hey, here's a question for you. Um Yeah. I know, you know, I know you live in Utah where things like beer and happiness are outlawed. But uh have you have you spent much time on the East Coast? I actually grew up on the East Coast. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, I'm a New England boy by birth. All right. A, yeah. You say, you say that as if to blame it on something other than yourself. Well, um, I was raised by hippies. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, have you ever ridden in West Virginia? I haven't. Okay, so I just spent four days there last weekend. And here's the thing about West Virginia from a motorcyclist's perspective, right? You can, as you approach the West Virginia border from any neighboring state, Maryland, Virginia, whatever, it doesn't matter, chances are you're on a road with a 40-mile-per-hour speed limit, 45 if you're lucky. You're probably behind either a horse trailer or a Winnebago, <laughs> and you haven't seen a passing zone for three days. <laughs> This is the way these things line up, right? And then you cross the West Virginia border. The first thing you see is a 55-mile-per-hour speed limit sign, and as soon as the road thinks about straightening out, there's a dotted yellow line, the clouds part, a chorus of angels emerge in the finest silk robes. It sounds like high-class riding. It is. It's fantastic. And it's funny. You know, you'd think West Virginia doesn't have a particularly strong economy, right? Much of the state is, uh, is, is, I don't want to say impoverished, but not exactly well-to-do. But Mm. their roads are in amazing shape. They're amazingly well taken care of, which is further confusing because most of the traffic is heavy truck traffic, a lot of mining, a lot of logging, that kind of thing. Maybe that's why it is. Could be. Could be, I know could the be roads that the miners
1: on. keep up around here, up in the mountains, in the middle of the state, Yeah, those are really well-kept roads, and it's because they have those big mining trucks on them all the time. There's a lot of money flying
0: around oh, there. Oh, sure, sure, that makes good sense. Which sucks when you're behind them, because there's always <laughs> crap falling out of them. That's true, that's true, and when you know when there's crap falling out of them on a series of switchbacks going straight up the mountain, that, that mm-hmm. can be a little bit of a problem at times. Things get tense. Things get tense. But, you know, typically they're only doing about 20 miles per hour. Yeah, we're finally getting snow here in Utah. (laughs) Snow already? Snow
1: already. The Ural had its first snow ride this week. Nice. (laughs) You want to attract attention, let me tell you. That is the way to do it. Yeah, I bet. People honking, people giving thumbs up, you know. And uh, if you if you're, one of your wheels happens to lift up as you go by a bus stop full of kids, you know, this sh- isn't this gonna happen.
0: The roads are funny there, you know. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Now I've never ridden. I've never ridden a, a hack. I have no idea what that's like. What the deal is. When you started, when you first bought the the Ural, did you take a class prior, or was it kind could... of the, the kind of thing where you you bought the bike first, realized, oh crap, this is different. <laughs> I actually took a class first because I knew it was going to be really different. I didn't appreciate how different it
1: was going to be until I took the class, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't want to drop a lot of money first. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on a budget here. Yeah, yeah. As so, are we and it all. is. It is totally different. It's. Uh, I tell our listeners all the time. You know what? It shifts the same, and that's about
0: it. <laughs> and that's. And that's all. That's yep. all it does. The same. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, obviously, it turns left differently than it turns right. Right, so even yes, on the does. same vehicle, you've got to deal with with that inconsistency.
1: Mm-hmm. What's Two easier? very different
0: le- left or right. Left,
1: left is generally easier because you're pushing the sidecar down to the ground. and it actually helps you stay stable. But the only exception is is there a tip over line to the left. If you're making a left turn, mm-hmm. is such that if you bury the nose of the tub, which is hard to do on my Ural, but but you know a low slung sidecar would be easier. Right. If that nose of the tub touches the ground, you cartwheel over it, and the bike lands on you. Oh, there so you go. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: something you want to avoid. It's a tense moment.
1: It's the sidecar equivalent of a high side. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Haven't done it yet. It takes some work. (laughs) Yeah. Let's leave that word yet out of the conversation. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) With the Ural, do you have, I mean, you're married, right? So you and the wife have one car or two? One car. One car. So the Ural is your winter transportation. That's for all intents and purposes, my car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, understood. And we, you know, we do the same thing. My wife and I have one car between us, but, you know, living here in the middle of the mid-Atlantic swamp, it's really not that big a deal. Sure, our, yeah. We, we don't have the same kind of winter you guys do, right? Mm-hmm. And our circumstance is such that if, you know, if if the roads do completely suck, if it's just dangerous to be out on two wheels, we can carpool. It's not that big a deal. Uh, that's but, helpful. Yeah, but in, wow, in, in Utah, that would be uh, something more of a challenge. Well, it helps that I work six minutes from home. Oh, there you go.
1: On city streets, you know, you don't have to hit any highway to get to my office. So worst case scenario, I park it and say, I need to borrow the car. Or, you know, frankly, if
0: I'm just a big wimp and it's cold. Yeah. So, what do, you, do you do anything to, to, to prep the Ural for cold weather? Well right. a lot of the, a lot of
1: the same things you do with a car, you know, you make sure you've got good tires on it. Mm-hmm. You make sure it's just in good working condition because any roadside fixing you're doing is
0: a thousand times as bad when it's cold. Yeah. It's just going to be misery. Yeah. Fortunately, you can fix just about anything that needs to be fixed on a Ural with a, you know, with a giant crescent wrench and a mallet, right? Yeah, yeah, the crescent wrench is optional too, yeah. but you do need you do need the repair vodka. Right. Right. Because from what I understand, that's the only fluid the Ural requires, right? By oh, uh, and large. Uh, no gasoline, no no lubricant. It's just vodka. <laughs> Straight vodka yeah. all the time. Just pour it in Cheaper and go. The better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although this is Utah, so it's hard to come by. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There is that. That would be a challenge. It's like a moving sin vehicle. So what do you, so you ride through the winter? Were you riding your SV through the winter? Or? Uh, no, actually, I I ride the Triumph through the winter for the most part, just because it has heated grips, and I really like heated ah. grips. Yes, yes, those are nice. Yes. Those are nice. So the SV will be uh, well, I mean, so today, today we've got you know probably seventy-five degree temperatures outside. So yeah, so the SV will be put away eventually, Pro- probably you know shortly after Thanksgiving. I'll I'll roll it into the corner of the garage, put it under the battery tender, and forget Shut about it until March. And certainly, yeah. a little a few words over it, and sing a little song, maybe a little smoke. The bell, ding, ding, ding. Exactly, a nice you know, a nice fluffy blanket, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something for it to rest its head on. And yep. yeah, yeah, we'll see you in March. I generally just push the strom over on the floor so <laughs> it's out of the way. Right, right. Yeah, well, and it's a strom, so it's you know, it's yeah, not yeah. like it's going to do any damage.
1: Nah, yeah. Nah. No, that thing's been over on its side in the garage more times than I care to think about, it. sometimes on purpose.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's that thing holding up? Is it a – because you've had world. a couple little issues with it, right? Yeah, I had a couple little issues with it. I had the uh, the uh, gear position
1: sensor packed up, um, and I discovered, you know, Strom being a Strom, it's the second geekiest bike you can buy, right?
0: W- what's so- the first?
1: Oh, the Versus. The Versus, okay. Yeah, the Versus has has Jetsons style beauty panels. So it's beauty <laughs> panels that make it look quasi-futuristic. That, that Strom's the Strom. But so uh, with this drum, the gear position sensor packs up. But what you can actually do is put in a little thing of resistors and stuff because these are geeks. They figured this out. And it'll tell it it's in fourth all the time, which is the unrestricted gear. My sixth gear is now basically just terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as it was, sixth gear is so high, you're not in it until you're at 75 miles an hour. And when you have full power in sixth gear, man. (laughs) Yeah, I can
0: imagine. <laughs> it, gets, uh, it gets uh it gets interesting. Yeah, I've often wondered why they bother to put fourth, fifth or sixth gear on any modern motorcycle. A lot of it's the uh
1: fuel mileage. Fuel
0: mileage, right. No, no, I mean l- logically I get that, but really I, you know, I use anything above third gear so rarely mm. that yeah, just grinding they, Yeah, they might as well not be there. Yeah, I can I can remember many times I've used
1: sixth, but it's usually just because I'm cruising the highway. Right. Buh. Right. And and that's one of those things we have out west that's really extra special. You guys are missing out on is the long, straight, boring highway with nothing. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And I don't mean like kind of
0: like nothing nice. I mean like nothing, nothing at all. Yeah. Nothing yeah. at all. Yeah. Now I've I've done a couple cross country treks and uh, one of them involved driving Texas from oh, Texas Canada El Paso. Oh Lord. Yeah, exactly. And once you get past Dallas. You, you, you hit, you know, you hit that, those those sort of, those wide open West Texas highways mm-hmm. where I would literally, I would get gas, I would get back on the road, set the cruise control, and touch nothing until I needed gas again. On the bright side with Texas, it seems like every place you can stop for gas, you can also buy porno. You can, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, I guess if you're bored, well, you know, yeah, yeah. tank and bag, that's... just put it in the window kind of thing, you know.
0: There's certainly opportunity there because the, you know, the, there's nothing to pay attention to. The police report would be awesome for that. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> Motorcyclist rear-ended car due to looking at adult <laughs> entertainment inside tank bag. It, w- it would be tough to turn the pages, though, with the... <laughs> There's know, with a the, good the joke. There's oh, somewhere they're... about
1: pages that don't turn in pornos, but we'll leave that one be. Yeah, the jokes really write themselves sometimes. Yeah. You know, actually, that could be a new product. They should release that. I think Nelson Rigg, Nelson Rig. If you're listening, you owe us a buck if you uh, if you make the porno magazine tank bag. <laughs> you know, for cross country travelers, you know, people on Goldwings, on the Goldwings, they have what the fourth button from the right on the third row is porn. There I you think. go. Yeah, yeah, because there's a button for everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then the, and then the beamers you uh, you turn the little wheel and you go through the menus and stuff while not looking at the road and rear end a car. Um, right. But porn's in there somewhere, I'm sure. Some you know. I'm, it has to be
0: really i mean they're german they think of everything mm mm-hmm. mhm especially yeah. porn yeah well that's you know that's that's just because they're dudes it's got nothing to do with nationality at that point <laughs> no what are you talking about no
1: no 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 ne- no porn necessary mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. i'm just going to cover this thing up on my desk my <laughs> that that stack and pay no attention to that over yeah. there No, really. that's not there
1: that that's the that's the corner of uh, really boring technical manuals yeah yeah certainly you wouldn't be interested at all no no certainly not certainly not speaking of germans or rather pseudo germans i guess the austrians germans with a sense of humor yeah yeah german light german light yeah that's good i guess they're not they're not doing all the ktms in austria anymore
0: no they well they they partnered with um bajaj an indian company to manufacture smaller motorcycles mm-hmm. uh well what last year sometime um and quite a bit you know quite a bit's been coming out of that partnership. That's kind uh, of awesome. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's it's huge. And have have you seen the videos of uh like the 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 Duke 200 and I think there may have even been a smaller one like a 125 or something. I haven't, but that sounds fantastic. Yeah, they look sounds like, like a very hoot. cool little bikes. And the thing is, they're they're built. I mean, some some of the videos they've been showing are to demonstrate the capability of the motorcycle, right? So these aren't just cheap Indian bikes with KTM badging slapped on them. Mm. Um, a lot of what they've shown has been, you know, uh, the, I think it was the Duke two hundred. Um, Attacking a a, a water crossing that was you know that was more than axle deep (laughs) on on the bike. Don't slow down. Don't slow down. Exactly. And they they rode it through this concrete trough full of water, and it was it was in and out, no problem at all. Um, I mean, these these are very capable motorcycles, and and this one, you know, now we're talking about a Duke three ninety, which I really think you know that in that in that sort of small bike range that that sort of 350 to 400 range is probably just about perfect well
1: and you gotta you gotta qualify it too yeah a 3 390 in india that thing's a monstrosity oh, that's like yeah. that's like the guy down the block has that
0: and everybody's like man he's gonna kill himself that thing's so fast yeah. he's going to kill himself that thing is so fast it's an indian gold wing yeah no shit practically but uh you know with with any luck we'll see this thing come to the u.s if you can oh, find a ktm dealer and, <laughs> yeah good luck with that yeah really um, and that, I mean, that would just be, that it, it would be an absolutely fantastic commuter, especially if they equip it with, uh, with anti-lock brakes. Yeah. You know, that becomes that becomes a no-brainer at that point if you're looking for that kind of motorcycle and they can keep the price sort of reasonable. Reasonable-ish. I mean, Reasonable-ish.
1: Consider, considering
0: ish. the way prices are going these days, uh, right. you know, reasonable is a moving target. Yeah, and it's a KTM, which, you know, has practically become an exotic bike at this point. Mm-hmm. Um so uh so yeah, I mean it's it's not gonna it's the pricing isn't gonna keep pace with say the the new uh, Kawasaki Ninja three hundred. Mm. It's definitely gonna be higher than that, I'd imagine. On the other hand, the thing they do have is they have the incredibly large
1: infrastructure that Bajaj has. I mean, keep yes. in mind Bajaj's size versus KTM is like not <laughs> they're not remotely
0: in the same category. Oh yeah, I mean their their size versus Honda. Yeah, <laughs> is is impressive. They're literally one of the largest motorcycle manufacturers in the world, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive for a company that started out knocking off Vespas. Yes, but it's a very cool thing. I, I would I would love to see it land here, and I would really like to see it do well. Uh, being mm-hmm. that it's going to be hampered by KTM's dealer infrastructure, you know that might be such a bit as of it an is. Issue, but yeah, yeah. But you know, and this you know this partnership with Bajaj, you would think. They would they would start looking for a way to grow that even here. Yeah, well, certainly there's a hole in the market here. I
1: mean, you've got the 250s, the 250 sport bikes duking it out for that area, mm-hmm. and you've got
0: this giant ass gap up until about 650. Right. Well, which you know, Honda is is apparently going to try to fill. Mm-hmm. We'll still see. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they. You know. Um, If, uh, for anyone who listened to, to the last episode of the pace with, uh, with Chris and, um, John, they talked a bit about the, the CBR 500, Mm. which broke cover a couple weeks ago. Um, and now, you know, now they're talking about a, a CB 500 R, which would be, I I suppose the naked version of that. Right. And the CB 500 X. Which appears to be um, a, a slightly smaller version of the the but NC ugly. 700X. Yeah, well, yes, yeah, there's that. But <laughs> it's you know it's a dual sport, so you know
1: <laughs> for some for some
0: values of dual, yes, yeah, exactly. So that's you know this is what they look like. This is this is a, a, mm-hmm. apparently what the entire industry has agreed that that these sort of all roads motorcycles are going to look like f- from this point forward.
1: Yes, they must be vaguely cross-eyed and quasi futuristic and have beaks for some
0: reason yeah, in the, addition to fenders. <laughs> yeah, the beak is the uh the 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 truly defining characteristic of all of them. Oh, I don't All I of don't them.
1: Get the beak. Oh, even the new strom has a beak. Yeah. Why <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and they have a beak and a fender. The whole they point do, of a beak is to replace the front fender, so your front fender doesn't get filled up with mud. It doesn't pack with mud, exactly, but you know, the, the, these motorcycles are clearly not intended to go off-road. Oh,
1: right? oh
0: I, I, that's why my frame is bent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oops. You know, th- think think about think about this thing, this this new Honda, as sort of the two-wheeled equivalent of, uh, say, a Jeep Patriot. Mm, yeah right you know you don't know actually it reminds me of what i think it might be aimed a little bit at what's that is the verses? oh yeah yeah i can see that
1: yeah it's kind of it's going for that you know up and down kind of street bikey sort of thing mm-hmm. you know look at me i'm practical you'll never have anybody in
0: the back if it looks like this <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> right right well uh, yeah works. and that's that's kind of what the 700 did too right this the, the yeah. NC 700 x with you know it's it's a 700 cc engine but it only makes what like i don't know 30 some horsepower something modest but but it'll return 70 miles per gallon which is a compelling number it it's a very compelling number i mean that's a you know that's a, a ninja 250 fuel mileage range mm. granted it only makes about twice the horsepower of the ninja 250 so <laughs> but yeah no it's 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 definitely an impressive statistic and i'm i'm curious to see where they're going with uh with this new 500 cc engine if they're going to balance it more in that direction And maybe return even better fuel mileage, or if they're going to sort of take it the other way and, and maybe produce the same sort of power that you get out of the 700 with hopefully lighter weight. One would hope. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess my my skepticism would come from you see all of these great mid small sized bikes, and they're over in Europe taking pictures of them, and then we see them never, never. one year, exactly. yeah. and it's like it's terrible trying to tell my students, and like they're like, what's out there that's small and manageable? I'm like, well, uh, there's Nighthawks and uh, the the TUs and and the Ninjas and the CBRs and a bunch of little cruisers that frankly are showing their age. Right. Enjoy.
0: Right. Have a nice and day. and they're all 250s. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they're all 250s. Yeah. With the exception of the Vulcan 500, which if you find one and can fight somebody for and win the fight, then, you
0: know, you could enjoy of the what what did you say the the Vulcan 500? Vulcan 500. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was still in production. Uh, I don't know if it's still in
1: production or not. I think it might not be. I think okay. they might have gotten rid of most of the small Vulcans, including the Disco Tastic 750, which is just a sweet ass bike. Yeah. Yeah, the 500s the
0: remain the uh, the one that you'll have to fist fight somebody for. Right. The Ninja 250's been off the been off the market for a couple of years now, right? Or the Ninja, Ninja 500, I mean. Yeah,
1: the Ninja 500's been off for a while. That's another, yeah. you know, same engine actually in both of them. Right. Which is what makes the vol which is really funny because it means the Vulcan 500 is a lot faster than most of the 8900 cc
0: V-twins. Right. To hilarious effect. Yeah, certainly certainly and that's a nice compact little motor too it's, oh yeah it's, you know it's it's a shame that uh that it's found its way off the showroom floor if assuming the Vulcan isn't still around but uh well I think it's probably because people weren't buying it because I mean if there's 500 and there's a you know nine
1: hundred, nine right. fifty,
0: 950 and it's like that's like
1: 410
0: more right and it's you know like 400 dollars more mm-hmm. you know there just that isn't too- that big a price gap nope so so I'll be curious to see where this thing where the where the the Honda where this trio of Honda 500s fit in um and how they're gonna how they're gonna position those in their lineup because and and Honda doesn't have a doesn't have a 650 do they or or anything in that range they've got the 700 Not as such. certainly yeah. but other than that it's their you know it's it's the CBR 600RR which you know It is a whole different animal. Yeah, and both of their 700s are not remotely cheap either.
1: You know, I mean, especially when you stack them up against a Wiestrom, which has a vastly bigger feature set and a better engine, and, you know, is pretty much the same price yeah. and has an aftermarket following
0: that goes like to infinity right and you can buy it with abs without the stupid dual clutch transmission right which yeah. is the i still think is the the biggest mistake honda could have made I, I i really don't get the reasoning behind that
1: you know the thing i just don't get is that planetary transmission as compared to a cvt for for an automatic transmission a planetary transmission is it's crap Quite right. frankly, right, CVT is vastly better in every way imaginable, except for the fact that it was hard to make it medium sized for a while mm-hmm. It's not anymore I mean they
0: make freaking cars with them yep, so you know what's the what's the deal why Why would we bother with this double clutch thing yeah Cators. i don't know it doesn't make an ounce of sense to me i mean you know there's a there's a difference in feel certainly there are you know i've I've driven a couple cars with CVTs, and they, and they they just you know they just feel a little rubbery yeah they're mm-hmm. not great um, i haven't ridden anything bigger than a 150cc scooter with a with a CVT, so I'm, I'm not sure how they behave on a on something that weighs as little as a motorcycle and makes as much power as, as a typical motorcycle does. I'm, I'm mm. not sure how, quite how that would work, but um, but I, I I will say that I'm not a big fan of CVTs on the automotive scale. Hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that bothers me most about the uh, planetary transmission on an auto scale is how slowly the stupid thing shifts. Oh yeah. Okay, shift. <laughs> coffee, coffee,
0: newspaper, shift. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Killing me. I had a I had a, a rental car. Not you know not to turn this into a into a car show, but I had a rental car a couple weeks ago for a business trip. It was a um, a Chrysler 200, and there was so much lag in the throttle. Like you you would literally, you would step on the pedal and count to two before it did anything. It was ridiculous. It was, it was, it was just painful to drive. So uh, other than that, it was a, it was a a perfectly acceptable car. The interior was a nice place to be. Um, Once it actually got moving, it wasn't terrible, but, but that initial lag in the throttle was enough to completely put me off of that car.
1: And All since it was have. a rental, I'm sure it was a great over jumps and uh, ramming things and you know playing a uh, shopping cart uh, soccer with.
0: It may have caught a little air over a set of train tracks just once. May mm-hmm. have? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, These things happen. I'll not confirm know. that, but so I you know I I got home after after a, a week of driving that thing, I got home, I turned it in and then uh jumped in my wife's car. And all of a sudden, the throttle was way too responsive. You know, it was, just, hey, yeah, where's the brake? You know, it was it was one of those deals, and it yeah, it was it was an interesting exercise in in readjusting to to a car that actually you know did what it was supposed to do when you told it to. You've developed old man throttle. Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> so it looks like we have some. We have a pile of emails, huh? We have a couple of them. Uh, we have this first one from Rick in Bristol, Virginia. Uh, He says, I thought this would be good to to share with you so you can share with your listeners. Here's a classic example of target fixation that didn't end too well. (laughs) Scroll through the shots to get to the main event. Have you had a chance to flip through these things? Well, let's
1: take a look here. All right. So here's the guy. He's Harley. He's waving to the photographer. Things are good. He's really waving to the photographer and not looking at the road, isn't he? That's exactly what he's doing. That's kind of, and then he turns forward. Oh, look, a Corvette. Surprise. He's got no lean angle left. And, and he's looking right at the Corvette, isn't he? Yeah. I love the Corvette. It's my favorite Corvette. I'm
0: in the air. Nice. Literally in the air, completely airborne, separated totally from airborne. the motorcycle.
1: Hey, that rim is not supposed to look like that, is it? That rim has no <laughs> spokes anymore and appears to be moving free from the rest of the body of the motorcycle. That's exactly what's happening.
0: I'm pretty sure they're not supposed to do that. Yeah. In fact, lots of things that used to be attached to the motorcycle are no longer attached to mm. the motorcycle. Notably The rider. The rider. Who is completely airborne. Yeah, it kind of looks like he's relaxing in the air, actually. (laughs) uh, Sort of of laid out in a hammock.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's like, ah.
0: Yeah. Until you get to the next picture, (laughs) where all four limbs are going in different directions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, it's target fixation. That's exactly what happened. I mean, and, and, you know, this is a a clear case of... uh, Apparently a fairly well seasoned rider. I mean, he's he's no spring chicken, right?
1: Nope, nope. Nor is his bike. I mean, it's still scummy. It's got all kinds of different funky luggage that just sort of works for him on it.
0: Right, pa- paying way too much attention to something other than the road. Mm-hmm. Probably came into the corner a little hot. Yep. yep. Turned around and looked to no deer. Oh, there's that thing I don't want to hit, so I'm going to focus on it. I'm <laughs> going to stare stare at it. I'm not going to pay attention to where I want the bike to go. I'm going to pay attention to where I don't want the bike to go. Car, 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 car! Blam. Car.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Man, yeah. That, that one's something else. I mean, that, that's a. If it didn't feel weird showing crash pictures to my students,
0: that would be a very, very tempting one. Yeah, really. I mean, it definitely is. Um, it's a, a, a solid lesson in 28 still images.
1: Mm-hmm. Here is what I mean when I say turn your head and look where you want to go. Right. Right. Where you want to go is not the hood of the Corvette. Yeah, and you know a Corvette's a really expensive car to hit, too. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, that's probably that's probably five grand worth of body work that you just took <laughs> off of
0: that thing. Yeah, because, you, you know, know, forget that, the motorcycle. That fender just disintegrated, and I'm, I, they, yeah, that fender was probably worth as much as the motorcycle. Mm, seems likely. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I hope, that I don't know what the outcome of this was. I hope the guy came through it without a... You know, without without too much damage to to his person, we we can mm-hmm. see what kind of damage was done to the bike and the car. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely something to pay attention to, and to to be aware of. Absolutely, it's a little little chilling, actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. So, how do you? I mean, you're you, you are an instructor, as as mm-hmm. as you just mentioned. How do you cover that topic with your students, the whole the whole idea of target fixation? Do you spend much time on that?
1: Oh yeah, quite a bit actually. And you don't generally cover it. One of the things about teaching adults is you you can't just like lecture to them. Right. You can't tell them, okay, yeah, turn your head, I mean it. No, really, I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. I mean it, I mean, it I mean it. Okay, on to the next thing. And expect them to retain anything at all. So generally what we'll do is we'll frankly just kinda of beat it into them through the whole day. Um there's different things you can do like Get them to target fixated in a healthy way, which sounds wrong, but bear with me. Something like, say, when they're trying to make a tight right turn. You go stand behind them and give them their instructions so they're forced to look back at you. Something like that. Okay. Um, Talk about uh, what happens when you look at the cones, and the answer is the same every time. What happens when you look at the cones, James? You run into the cones. Yes, you run the cones right over. Yeah. So, the same thing happens with puppies, children, (laughs) potholes, and guardrails, and apparently corvettes. Right, things that don't bounce back quite as well as cones do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, something we kind of get into with them all the day We will stand places we want them to look Uh, Those who've been through a class probably notice that when they're in the weave The instructor tends to stand down at the very end of the weave and wave at them to get their attention Mm -hmm. That's not by accident And then we just keep asking them questions With adults, you want to give them something You want to get them to demonstrate something and try it themselves And then you want to kind of reinforce that by asking them questions about it And forcing them to think about that again You do that, they'll retain it So you're tricking them
0: into learning yeah, exactly. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky devils that we are. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll learn this despite yourself. <laughs> yeah, there's also a link to a, a a YouTube video that somebody put together of the entire sequence, but frankly, it goes by way too fast um, mm-hmm. that it's it's difficult to appreciate. The stills do a much better job.
1: Agreed. So, speaking of distractions, we uh, we got a we got some entertaining classifieds in the Wheel Nerd's mailbox. All right. <laughs> My first favorite one of the week is the Chatterbox GMRS X1 Bluetooth Headset for a hundred dollars. Comes with an extra headset and cord to connect a passenger's helmet to you. They can hear you but can't talk back, which may be a bonus depending on the passenger.
0: Apparently, being sold by a married man. One gets that impression. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. perhaps a freshly divorced man or who knows that could be but i mean th- that that would be I, c- I can definitely see the benefit mm-hmm. of of you know being able to deliver instruction without the distraction of having to you know listen. <laughs> i could see this going so wrong in so many ways <laughs> <laughs> and yet so right
1: yeah but let me let me just throw this one down for you okay. the passenger says i have to pee we know where this conversation is going. I can going, see. And... Yeah, I can see. I can see where that might turn into. <laughs> no, really, I have to pee. Eventually. I need you to stop because I have to pee. You need to stop soon, or I'm going to pee on your bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't act so surprised. I told you I was going to pee on your bike.
0: Yeah, but you know that. Uh, th- that conversation, if th- th- assuming this is this is a one-way communication system, right? Mm-hmm. That conversation would probably end with a sharp punch to the shoulder. Shoulder. I used to get it in the kidneys. Or, yeah, that would work too. Or something yeah. that 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 message will be communicated one way or another.
1: That's a good point, actually. The, the having to pee, yeah. yeah, stand up on the pegs and do the dance, maybe something.
0: So, like. some, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. The international sign for "I have to go." The international sign for "Stop this goddamn thing right now!" <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye to your upholstery. Yeah.
1: I guess if it was really cold out. That might not be all bad. It'd be warm for a <laughs> while. <long. laughs>
0: for a little, for briefly, for a little while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got this other little biscuit here. You interested in a custom jacket, James? I'm always interested in a custom jacket. Oh, do tell. Tell anything, us about the custom. <laughs> anything, anything that that. Well, anyway, okay. Let's just get onto the ad. Uh, hi there. This is a size 38 Solf. <laughs> it's a Sulf black, genuine, custom-made biker steep biker steel styly steel or riding jacket is only one of a kinded mm-hmm. yeah which is much better than one of a kind oh yeah yeah kinded is you know like even more so it's it's more yeah more than one of a kind i know because i was the one that told the leather jacket maker how i wanted it it has all the zippers and pockets with a black laces from each of the zippers mm-hmm. the jacket <laughs> goes Back a lot of years with me and some good luck. I there wonder is if no he comes with the good luck or if he's gonna keep that.
1: Uh I don't know, he doesn't really specify. He does say there is no rips, scratches, or damage on this jacket at all. Inside I have left and right side pockets that are slanted forty five degree angle going in rather than strata Cruise. Agon, this is a one of a kind <laughs> jacket, but to see it is to appreciate the quality and how genuine style of this jacket. Genuine style. Yep. Call home numbers. Yeah, so genuine style of this jacket. Not to be confused with that one you've got, which has totally lame manufactured style,
0: just so you know. Yeah, it's artificial style. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's artificial style. The genuine style that this one comes with.
1: Yeah, that's added in a factory with all sorts of unnatural chemicals. Right. Do you have any idea what you're doing to the environment with that ungenuine style? It's terrible. Think of your carbon
0: footprint. I'm so ashamed. Oh, God. This jacket is as if you bought it to... As if you bought it to day two words it is in mint i mean mint i think he means mint
1: he means mint
0: shape Mm. and new sentence i want to make that clear if you had this jacket on you would have a sense of sense of pride i have all sorts of
1: pride sense all about me you (laughs) you you smell like
0: nothing but pride Mm -hmm. yes
1: Pride smells like exhaust and BO it, it's out. <laughs>
0: and respect that goes with the jacket. So it does come with respect, but not necessarily with luck. Yeah, the, well, the good luck is that's that's a bit unclear. That maybe you may have to pay a little extra for that. I'm sure it's negotiable.
1: Mm-hmm. It sounds like you could call home though to find out. You so, could
0: call home or sell.
1: Is it? you says you have to see and touch to really respect this one of a kind, genuine, custom made jacket. Uh, that sounds a little awkward.
0: Is that a come on? It, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't oh. know if I want to get that close.
1: Come see in touch, hey jacket. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe when you see it, you'll see it's so genuine style and respect, you won't be able to help yourself. Yeah, it could be. It, this, th- maybe, maybe that's what being sold here.
0: This is the get groped jacket. Oh well, you know, in that case, it's worth any price. Yeah, so, you know, that's value add right there. It is. You know, yes. roll up to a sorority house kind of thing. And you know, that may be the only way you're going to get somebody on the back of your bike if you happen to ride an NC 700X.
1: I can't resist why am I on this bike (laughs) maybe they'd like stand on the pegs and try not not to touch the bike but they'd want to grope the jacket something like
0: that (laughs) exactly just sort of sort of you know clinging like a spider monkey Mm -hmm. to the rider's back without actually making contact with the bike I can see that happening and you know yeah yeah that's uh, and, and the most important thing to know
1: about this jacket is I strongly stand by everything I say thank you so, thank you. Strong thank you. You're welcome. Mm, yep. Yeah. So there it is. You too could have a biking or riding custom made jacket. <laughs> it is yeah. Comes with respect does not
0: necessarily come with luck. Well, hum. you know, anything that comes with respect. I don't get enough respect. Fortunately it seems like I can buy it in jackets. That's a plus. <laughs> yeah, you know they don't well they don't give respect away for free, that's for sure.
1: Well, obviously not. Uh, 300 bucks for a uh, used jacket that it's been with him for a long time. But, you know, it has that sense of pride and respect. Yeah.
0: Exhaust and BO. Gave, <laughs> gave me a chill. <laughs> All right. We got an email from one Mr. Thomas Hunt. The email was simply a link to uh, an eBay auction. Wheel has got the exact same email oh, yeah. from someone else. Yep. Oh, from, ex- from somebody else, really, not from the same. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and this is the bike from Priest, which uh all reports are is basically impossible to ride. Yeah, well, I mean just look at it. Yeah, so this is the this is that one with the crazy like faux car end, or uh the turbine. Jet, yeah, the turbine
0: yeah. thingy. And uh as near as I can tell, it's got like a center hub steering kind of rig in the front there. Right, and... sort of a, a, a swing arm setup on, on each end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I'm I'm sure something allows that front wheel to turn somehow. Oh, I I, I bet it's a center hub setup,
1: which yeah. is probably not cheap. They use those on sidecars sometimes because you can okay. alter your angle. I particularly like the fact that the seat on this thing looks like it slides up and down. Yeah, it's, it's like bath- it's on a
0: pair of rails of some mm-hmm. sort. Yeah,
1: so, you know, in addition to being wicked strange-looking, you can slide up and down on your seat and go, Wee-hee!
0: although you've got to wonder why they wouldn't just upholster that whole area.
1: Um, because it's not futuristic enough, James. Obviously. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. God,
0: God. What was so I thinking?
1: Come on, dude. Get with the program.
0: Yeah, it's the future. It it is the future. If you're in Australia, um. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's 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 a definitely a, a conversation piece that's for sure it, it is that yeah and this is this is the one because I, I remember an interview with the actors and they were saying
1: these things were almost impossible to ride and they kept running into shit and falling over and everything oh. else <laughs> yeah i bet, I, bet. <laughs> I mean the length of the thing alone is impressive yeah so this, this was we talked about this last week on wheel nerds and this is something that bothers
0: me what is it about movies and bikes why, why is it that in the future bikes can't look like bikes I don't know. And, you know, apparently no one who's ever made a movie actually rides motorcycles. Oh, my God. I know, right? Like, they, oh, the, this has two wheels Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain laws of physics that apply. There mm-hmm. are reasons motorcycles look and behave the way they do today. Mm-hmm. You know, and for the most part, they do a pretty good job. Except for that they look completely lame and non-futuristic, obviously. That's, that's it. That's that's the deal. I mean, if uh, you know, if if BMW hasn't found a better way to do it, no one has. And when they do, they will charge you for it. They will certainly a lot. Yeah, I mean, even even when BMW does do something different, the 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 telelever front end, for instance, mm-hmm. it doesn't look all that different. Nope. Right. Yeah, you
1: still got the same basic layout. Yeah. <laughs> there's only like so many ways you can lay out a pair
0: of wheels on an engine and make it go down the street that's exactly it i mean and and even you know when when you look at uh some of the some of the wacky concepts like uh you know uh many years ago dodge did the the tomahawk thing right mm-hmm. with the the technically it had two wheels in the front and two in the back but you know it it's still more or less kind of looked like a motorcycle yeah there are certain
1: things, they aren't there because they look nice. They're there because, you know, they let you steer because and useful things like that. They do a job. Something that bothers me about this concept bike, let's say this thing was real. Let's say it worked the way it looks. And this thing is, a, it's one of these ones that's built where it basically has like a jet engine right. that the handlebars come out of. That means you have a jet turbine uh, between your legs. Right. And where does the exhaust go? That was my thought, and I don't like any of the answers. <laughs>
0: there yeah, isn't a good answer to that. There's really, there's there's no good way for that story to end. No,
1: no. No, that's going to end in tears and gnashing of teeth and possibly new pants. And, well, surgery, at mm, the very least. Mm, awkward, awkward conversations with your <sighs> medical professional.
0: Most certainly.
1: <laughs> so there it is, I guess. If you want to buy the uh, priest motorcycle, which looks futuristic and might turn? Maybe. I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah, that? yeah. Uh, it looks like its bodywork might actually hold it up for the most part,
0: because there's so much of it. <laughs> right. It just there just isn't enough ground clearance for it to tip over at all. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just sit there. Yep.
1: Interestingly, Victory Visions do that. Oh, do oh, they? Yeah. I had the opportunity to uh, hear about that in action. One of our uh, one of our buddies who I teach with uh, had one in his ERC and uh it doesn't really get over very far. Yeah. It gets over and Duke, and there it stays. Just a few <laughs> degrees. So you yeah, know, that's funny. Easy to stand back up. It's good news. Yeah. Expensive to stand back
0: up. is the oh, bad. <laughs> certainly. <laughs> yeah, the the ride I was on last weekend, there was a um there there was a guy on that trip who had a uh a BMW R 1250 GSA, mm-hmm. right? The big one. Yeah, yeah. And looking at that and the, the question, the question that, that kept that sort of went around the group for a moment was what the hell do you do if it falls over? Um, well, most people pivot them around on the, uh, on on the, the cylinder, cylinder and <laughs> then, then you
1: get it pointed downhill, and then it's easier to pick back up, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. And the thing is with, I mean, it's it's a tall bike, which is the only reason it has any ground clearance at all is, is mm-hmm. because it's so tall. But really, even if it falls over, the handlebars are still going to be, you know, pr- pretty far off the ground. Just because of you know, you've it's 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 gone to rest on the cylinder head and the crash bars and mm-hmm. the bags. He had huge bags on this thing. Oh, naturally, yeah. So it's not like you have to pick it back up all that far. Well, you
1: know? you know, when you're when you're out having adventures, you sometimes need to pick bikes
0: up. Sure, yeah, adventure. So BMW certainly thought of that. They just made lots of lots of stuff <laughs> stick out very far, mm-hmm. so that if it does fall down, you really you only have to you only have to move it. You know, maybe. Eight or ten inches, and it's upright again.
1: Yeah, it's perfect,
0: you know. And you don't want anything expensive, like the heads of
1: your cylinders <laughs> to touch. Oh. Shit. Uh, yeah, there's you know that. What? Oh, whoops. Yeah, actually, our friend with a GS, he's always, he's terrified of taking it off road for anything. Places I cheerfully take the Strom and <clears throat> bend the frame, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he won't do it because you know he, he tips that thing over and he dings up his cylinder heads or something. That's uh, you know that's that's a new Strom, basically. Oh. Yeah, yeah, certainly,
0: <laughs> certainly.
1: That's a that's a 0.
0: 0.7 versus it's uh you know 1.1 1. 1 SV roughly. <laughs> yeah, he th- this one had um these these very very thick plastic uh covers on the cylinder heads. Mm, yeah. So you you've got the sacrificial part there. Oh yeah, naturally. So which which yeah, which made good sense and this one, you know, this one clearly hadn't you know, had never touched down. But, uh, but yeah, it, it it is, it it is looking at that thing and you know, he he had these, these and it's the, the GS adventure, right? So adventure, exactly. Uh, so looking at it from the back there, there are these immense aluminum side cases on it, right? They're still not quite as wide as the front of the bike. Nope. Which is awesome. I mean, thinking about with, with my, my triumph, for instance, when I put the side cases on, I have to be, you know, I have to keep those side cases front of mind. I have to remember that they're (laughs) on there because I tend to, I tend to fit the bike into some fairly small spaces in traffic. Um, You know, all perfectly legally, of course. I'm, I'm, you know, this is this is Mm -hmm. Delaware. Uh, Mm -hmm. The lane splitting is is not legal here, so I would never, never do that. But certainly not. That being said. Um, I, I, will put the bike in, into some, some fair, fairly narrow spaces and, and every now and then I'll find myself turning around to check to make sure the bags are still there. Right. <laughs> where, where on the GS adventure, if the front of the bike doesn't go through the, the, you know, then, then that's all you have to know. Because... That was actually one of
1: the, one of the criteria I used to pick out the Strom's luggage.
0: Oh yeah. I've got the, uh, the
1: caribou cases on it, the Pelican uh-huh. cases. And, uh, they're really, really narrow. They're actually narrower than the handlebars are, which is great. Despite oh, the fact yeah. they hold a ton of crap, mm-hmm. so if my handlebars
0: make it through, I'm good and everything is cool. It's like a cat's whiskers, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the caribou cases, those are those are are built around just off the shelf Pelican cases. Yep. Yeah,
1: it's an off-the-shelf Pelican cases, and this guy, Roger, he uh, does them up. He's over in uh, Denver, I think, mm-hmm. or somewhere around there. And he uh, he builds his own racks for some of them. He gets off-the-shelf racking for others, uh, puts them together, and mounts them up for all kinds of different bikes. His uh, designs have continued to improve. You know, it's one of those things where he uses them. So every time something annoys him, he builds a better version.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's nice. pretty cool. Well, and those Pelican cases, I mean, those, those things are, are practically indestructible and absolutely watertight. Well, you know, they come with a great warning on them. You, oh, get, yeah? you
1: get them and there's a little warranty card in them and it says, this is the warranty, blah, 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 covers, you know, blah, 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 la. The very end of the warranty says, this warranty does not cover shark bite, bear attack, or children under five. <laughs> children under five being the most dangerous thing on the planet, of course. That's pretty much what I'm figuring. And I'm yeah. looking at these things now and I've got a kid on the way. I'm like, oh, shit.
0: <laughs> oh, man, they've done so well. Yeah. why oh man yeah and you know you've heard stories about people throwing stuff in a in a pelican case and having it be you know lost at sea only to turn up a year later <laughs> with the contents perfectly dry and intact mm-hmm. so so yeah that's not a bad way to go and they're not the the pelican cases themselves are you know when when compared to uh hard luggage for motorcycles Oh yeah, compared to Givy, they're 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 a bargain in yeah. half. amazingly reasonably priced. That that makes good sense.
1: Yeah, the racks tend to be the thing you end up spending a lot of money on. Frankly, that's because putting
0: a rack on the back of a bike is a
1: pain in the ass. Right, requires and
0: a fair bit of creativity. Th- that's it, and the rack has to be you know a, a case is a case, whatever. But Mm-mm. the rack has to be s- specifically fit to the model of motorcycle, and you know you can only build so many. And if you got a a, a million racks for say an fc-8 sitting on a shelf <laughs> that's money you've spent that you're not going to get back Beau ulysses owners everywhere are going <sighs> <sighs> exactly although i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of i've kind of become the victim of that scenario since apparently triumph has sold about half a dozen sprint gts and nobody nobody in the aftermarket's building anything for them Oh, man. Yeah. That sucks. Corbin oh. finally released a saddle. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. <laughs> uh, that's, I, guess, I guess it's custom land then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. And I, 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 I am definitely going to have to replace the saddle on that thing. I hereby dare you to replace it with a uh, a Russell Daylong with a Velour top.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Burgundy Velour. That's your Can future. Can I get it monogrammed? Uh, yeah, they do that too. In In gold? I imagine they could pull that off.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Russell Daylong, that's one of those things that you know, I'm 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 sure they're absolutely fantastic. Everything I've heard about them says that they are amazing on the road, but I just I I can't make myself look at them and not cringe. Let me let me tell you a little
1: secret about it that I found about it. What's is that, that it's under your ass when you're riding. That's true. And
0: you can't see it. That's true. When you're unless writing. You, unless you have eyeballs in your ass. Well, you know, some of us are special. Um, me. But, but no, it's it's just it's one of those things. And I, I, what you're saying makes perfect sense. I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I just I, I can't get over it.
1: So I hear what you're saying, but what I'm actually hearing as the subtext is me, 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 fashion, me, 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 me.
0: That's exactly it. I, okay. I, I'm not going to argue with you. That's exactly it. I like, <laughs> you know that that goes into a into a motorcycle purchase for me. I like the way my motorcycles look, and I I have a lot of trouble making them ugly. Mm. I just it it it's a thing.
1: It's not really been a problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I ride a Strom, so yeah. you know. That...
0: You know, pe- people say that, but I've honestly I've never found the Strom to be that that offensive looking. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot worse out there. Absolutely. Quite Most of them made by Honda. Um <laughs> and especially the Newstrom. I, I I kinda dig the looks of the Newstrom. I I I think it's pretty slick. Yeah with the um, shape
1: down fairing it definitely looks it's kinda it brings it makes the line a little less, I don't know, clunky, for yeah. lack of a better term. Although yeah. you do lose the tip over wings, which I thought was a bad move. Oh, One of the yeah. things, you know you're talking about the, uh, the the sacrificial plastic on the beamer. Right the strom has sacrificial plastic tip over wings Uh, a honda st 1100 at 700 pounds has sacrificial plastic tip over wings and you know what the thing is those work right great
0: absolutely and they're not that expensive to replace
1: no and and, you know they're plastic who gives a crap Mm -hmm. you tip it over on them and you you scrape it up a little bit and you know eh, right whatever hey your plastic
0: scraped there yeah yeah it's not like it's a painted part
1: yeah it's also scraped from the zipper on my jeans up at the tank like big deal right you know shit happens so I, I think they, they dropped the ball a little on that part. But other than that, I, I agree. I like it. I like yeah. where they're going. We won't talk about the new 1000. It just makes
0: me mad. Why does it make you mad? Because it has a beak. Yeah, the new 1000, I I, I really, I kind of don't get where they're going with that. I I think they're going for the Honda NX700 look, which is probably not the look I would go for.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the red and white color scheme's good. I'm totally stealing that. I'm going to paint my straw in that color. Sure, yeah. When it's inevitably rashed up, <laughs> can you get red and white bedliner paint? Do you think? Red and white bedliner paint—that would be awesome. Yeah, they need to do that. They need to make designer color bedliner paints. Yeah, you know, I, I bet you, you can. Can, <laughs> I, I, can you I do can. it
0: on a strong budget? Well, that's yeah, that's another matter altogether. <laughs> Just go down to the local Rhino Liner shop and see what uh, see see if they have any leftovers out back. KLR people everywhere are taking notes right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rhinolander shops, sexy seconds, dumpster in the back. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, when I saw the, the new Strom, and I, I think we might have covered this a couple weeks ago on the show, but when I saw the new Strom, my initial thought was that that it is to the 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 new Multistrata as the first generation SV was to the monster of the time. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the the dorky, cheaper cousin. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Emphasis yeah. on the dorky. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's still a strong, You know, it's still got a certain certain uh, niche it needs to occupy. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you say we move on to this email from uh, from Jason? Cool. So Jason rode
1: a zero bike, and he sent to the ele- this electric bike test ride to the Wheel Nerds, which is a little off on some level. <laughs> Since you know the pace would eat that right up. Absolutely, we'd have made a whole whole show about this. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll hit the highlights from this one. So Jason writes, "I heard you guys talking about electric motorcycles and how there are none really being produced on your podcast a couple weeks ago." I still don't know what podcast he's talking about. Maybe he thought we were you.
0: So so but they're there, so there are none being produced on your podcast. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes, we're not pr- currently producing any electric motorcycles.
1: All right, that makes sense. Only cup holders and, you know, empty beer cans. We produced those. Gotcha. The folks over at Zero Motorcycles have been producing commercially available street-legal motorcycles for quite some time now, for some values available. Recently, a motorcycle dealership near me became an official Zero Motorcycles distributor, so I just had to head down and get myself a test ride. And I thought I would let you guys know how that went. So Jason Testro, the Zero S, that's the street model, he said it's about power-wise, like a 250, and light, so about 300 pounds, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um... They apparently have gotten rid of that industrial battery box with wheels look, which I don't know. I, I don't buy. I don't mind that
0: particularly. No, me neither. I mean, it, you know, it's functional. It does mm-hmm. the job. And there's been, you know, a, 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 quite a few of the electric electric motorcycle manufacturers have been in this mode where they've been trying to make their bikes look like uh, a, a traditional internal combustion powered bike. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. to me, is just sort of unnecessary.
1: Well, not to mention, you know, I mean, let's be honest, I you know, speaking as a euro owner and an attention whore, it's kind of <laughs> nice when you have something unique that people notice it and they're like, "Hey, that's cool. I want to talk to you about that." Right. you know. You're excited about your electric bike. You, you want to BS with people about it. Absolutely. So, you know, a little weird looking's okay. Many of us are used to that. Yeah. So he says, sitting on the bike, I wasn't quite sure what to do with my knees. The bike definitely looks like more of a supermotor or dual sport. Seems like it should have the same sort of riding position as one. However, given there's no gas tank, you're left sitting a little awkwardly with your knees kind of gripping the wings that come out on either side. Eventually, I found a position that seemed a little more comfortable midway up the seat and off I went. So that's an interesting point. Yeah. I'm a little surprised they didn't do the uh, something more like the Honda NC700 with the fake tank. Mm-hmm
0: you know it's a glove box kind of thing right just cool. a, oh that that would be fantastic and you'd, you'd think there's plenty of opportunity there
1: well yeah. i mean you think think of all the bikes that don't have a tank there but put a fake one there anyway the mules yeah. the honda sts the gold wings right the it's effectively NCs. an airbox cover yeah it's right. an
0: airbox cover a glove box yep yep and i find you know i have a um a bagster tank cover mm. on, on my bike um which and and one of the big reasons i have that there it's and if if you've seen the bagster system it's uh it's this sort of uh fake leather cover that that covers the entire tank and then it has mm-hmm. it has a set of clips that you can attach a tank bag to um very convenient system it works extremely well but the biggest benefit to it from my point of view is that it gives your knees something to grab yeah right totally. on the sides of the tank it has these mm-hmm. these nice padded areas and I find that if I ride a bike without that sort of arrangement, without a cover or the sort of rubber knee pads that a Bonneville has, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my knees just slip all over the place as, you know, as I try to sort of use them as, as kind of an anchor point to shift my weight. Um, and and it it gets a little weird. So I can definitely see where this might be an issue if there's just nothing for your knees to grab.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's really strange that they do that it seems like such a natural place to stick all of that annoying extra crap that motorcycles have to have you know electronic bs uh, fuses i mean hell it's perfect yep absolutely and they're not doing anything with it so uh let's see first thing he notices about the bike is how odd takeoffs were so it doesn't have a clutch or transmission um so they didn't want people accidentally twisting the throttle and rocking into traffic so they've got one of those delays that you love so much yeah on the throttle before you get any power this takes some getting used to as in concert with the lack of the usual engine noise you're not quite sure whether it's shut off underneath you whenever you come to a stop (laughs) Mm -hmm. well effectively it
0: is (laughs) yeah that's true i suppose isn't it makes the electric motor going zero miles an hour is just off right right it's 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 an electric motor it's not doing anything there you go i mean the lights are on that's about it yeah So the area he was
1: in contains some pretty steep hills, he notes that it's about power-wise like a 250, and the electric motor didn't miss a beat going up any of them. I didn't get to do much of top-speed highway cruising on it as I was testing during rush hour. Getting on the highway would have meant that I most likely would have spent my entire ride sitting behind a semi-truck. Bike handles nicely and is a lot of fun to throw through corners. The lack of a gearbox makes accelerating through corners a delight. It's impossible now to be in the wrong gear. Did they run a CVT on these, or is it just that the
0: nature of an electric motor is it doesn't really matter what gear it's in? Yeah, I, th- I believe um, that's the case. It's, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I don't think there's a CVT. It's, it's just a direct drive deal, but being that it's an electric mm-hmm. motor, really it doesn't have to do any conversion. So sure.
1: Okay, so it's like there's no power curve to it particularly. It's sort of hmm, interesting. Interesting. Because the power curve on a motorcycle is a result of the fact that you have a bunch of big spinning pieces and tiny explosions happening over and over. Yeah. And there are certain places where the explosions happen to line up and the sine waves cross, and you get a
0: power curve. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. So it's a power line? Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, with, with an electric, it's it's the maximum torque right at the bottom.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, right it's a,
0: a torque plateau. It's just, yeah. just
1: straight across, really. Huh. Interesting. And yeah. therefore, your maximum HP would be at whatever it is you know tops out at right (laughs) what's the maximum hp all of it all exactly (laughs) oh let's see um weight's low so it's pretty flickable the only thing to complain about in the handling department is that weird riding position he wanted to ride it like his drz 400 but the seating position wasn't quite there uh can't comment on the battery life as my test ride was only 30 minutes but zero claims about 114 mile range for the zf9 battery they say that's a nine hour charge time off a standard 110
0: volt wall outlet
1: Ouch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now they do have Zero. Zero is is, is actually um, pretty far ahead of most manufacturers in this regard. They do offer uh, a couple different dedicated chargers that you can have installed. Of course, you Ah, have to have the right line run. You know, you have to have either a 220. I think they even offer a 440 option. Oh, wow. If you can get that kind of service into your house. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that could be better. So you run off a dryer outlet and get a little more of it. right. And you know wash your clothes in the process. Yeah it's not the like.
0: They also offer a couple different battery packs. There's the ZF9, and I think I think there's a ZF11 or something hmm. um, that are basically you can get each model with um, any one of two or three different battery packs and they you know each one brings the capacity and the price up gotcha
1: I'm seeing a whole new level of ridiculous threads on online forums here I think the oil thread is going to be dead it's gonna be the battery <laughs> the battery macho thread. Thread. Yeah, well you exactly know, well James you know my my battery goes
0: for a uh, hundred and seventy miles yeah you know, and it'll be no the, uh, you know the the, the 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 nicad versus lithium ion debate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. O- old yeah. rage for generations to come I the lithium-ion type R are are, are R, R type R battery exactly.
1: Battery type R. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine these conversations now for the kickstand club too at the uh, gas station. You know. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of battery you got in that thing, bro? Whoa, your coat's color matched your battery.
0: And you can imagine those uh those meets will now extend up to nine hours long because you know everyone needs to top off their battery before they <laughs> go right. You say that as though they rode 110 miles to get there. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that.
1: <laughs> I can see it now. There'll be stickers and everything. It'll be great. You know the Olin sticker everybody puts on now, whether or not they have Olin shocks. Right. You know you put on you put on that uh, that Repsol sticker and it adds like four horsepower. Well, now you know you put on the uh, the Battery Co sticker. And <laughs> that's like an extra hour from that, man.
0: Yeah bro! <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. <laughs>
1: Electricity, bro!
0: <laughs> oh, man. The future is weird. If you, well, you know, clearly, if you've been there, you'd know. <laughs> so, with an equivalent miles
1: per gallon rating of 487 miles per gallon, it's going to be a few years before you make up the cost in gas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. is you know, And, and that's true of any of these sort of alternative power sources, right? I mean even with uh uh and and hybrid cars have come down a bit they're not you don't pay quite the premium now that you that you did at one point but still if your point is to save gas go buy a toyota yaris uh, or i huh? should say if your point is to save money yeah go buy a toyota yaris good point you're just not going to do much better and the same thing applies here if your point is to save money go buy a small motorcycle or a mid-sized scooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they also notice if you happen to be an environmentalist
1: who's rolling in the dough, this bike is right up your alley. Now, this is the, pro- this is the thing that always gets me about this whole electric problem. And I don't know if you guys have talked over this or not. The problem I see with an electric bike here in Utah right now, if I have an electric bike, I have a coal-powered bike. Right, right. Which, you know, that's dirtier than gas.
0: Yep, that's true. So- and I, I, I agree. Where that's true, I absolutely agree with you. But the thing is, and, and I think the strength of the electric bike is that you're drawing power from a central power source, right? So in Utah, it's coal.
1: Mm-hmm. In
0: other parts of the country, in Las Vegas, for instance, it's hydroelectric, which is much mm-hmm. cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, I think there are greater opportunities to clean up those central power sources if, mm-hmm. if we develop the social desire to do so right if 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 we as a whole as a people decide that we're gonna clean up where our electricity comes from then electric conveyances draw those benefits it's not i mean i i I totally get you pennsylvania burns a lot of coal as well um you know that but there but there are clean alternatives as well so you know, so there's that. It's, it's, I find it difficult to say that an electric powered motorcycle is dirtier than a gas powered motorcycle just because of where the electricity comes from, because that, you know, that has the potential to change and it's going to change depending on where you are. Mm hmm. It's a fair point. I hadn't thought of it like that, yeah. but it does make sense.
1: Hmm.
0: So, yeah, it's, you know, there, there are a million arguments in both directions. Mm-hmm. Right now, it still doesn't make financial sense, and in many ways, it doesn't make ecological sense either. I mean, you've got to you also have to consider where you know where the rare earth elements that go into these batteries come from. Yeah, there is that as well. Right, so until we get to a point where we can synthesize those components and produce them in a lab somewhere, mm-hmm. then you know, then that could be viewed as a losing argument as well.
1: And the argument for the early adopters of these things, the people who want to pay twelve grand for a hundred and fourteen miles, is you know, if there isn't a demand, if there isn't the money
0: coming in, then nobody's going to spend money to work on it. Right. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you know, in some some places like uh, Colorado, for instance, was offering. I don't know if they still are, but they were offering ridiculous tax incentives. Ah. Uh, on these things. And I think there's still a federal tax incentive. So, you know, so that 12 grand could, in Colorado's case, could be cut in half. Yeah, that would be substantial. Now, all of a sudden, it's getting a little more reasonable. I mean, it's still a premium over... Still two Nighthawks. Right, exactly. But it's not four Nighthawks. So... Um, and, and if, if you're in the right situation, you know, electric bikes are not, they're certainly not the perfect vehicle. If you do a lot of touring, it's not the right machine for you. Um, (laughs) which I think is, is one of the issues a lot of people get hung up on. Well, I couldn't have an electric motor. Well, then don't, Mm. you know, then don't buy one. If it doesn't fit your use case, that's fine. There are plenty (laughs) of other things that do. But if you're looking for a commuter, you know, if you, if your commutes 12 miles each way and you just don't want to have to put gas in anything ever, then this is, you know, this is certainly uh, uh, an economical alternative to, say, a Chevy Volt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm starting to, now I'm starting to think about putting a sidecar in this to make this my winter vehicle. <laughs> hmm.
1: hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, wait. The reason I ride a three-wheeler in the winter is because I'm too cheap to buy
0: another car. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... I have to ask, Todd, what did you learn this week?
1: This week, I think I learned that Chuck is entirely superfluous to this operation. Also, (laughs) that unrideable motorcycles are expensive.
0: What did you learn, James? I don't. I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us this week. Thanks for listening, folks. And hopefully, we'll uh, we'll see you soon on another episode of The Pace Nerds. Yes, or The Wheel Pace, as you prefer. I'm Todd. I'm James, and we'll talk to you later. Ride safe, everyone.